Welcome to another exciting episode of the Andre the Beast Creighton Show with my co-host Yolanda Smith from the, no, not from the, I don't messed up, so let me do this again. The owner of Branding for Success, Yolanda Smith. You think I would have gotten this right? Did we, how many takes we don't done? Uh, about four, and this is like, what, the 20th episode, you know, so it's okay. <laughs> Glad to be uh, here. Of season two. Of season of two. Of season two. <laughs> Lord have mercy. It's been a long, long day. Hey, it's all good. I just got back on vacation, so I'm feeling I saw fine. that on social media, and I didn't get an invite, huh? I am so sorry. Next time. Next time. Next time. There's when, next always week? a next In two weeks. <laughs> See, we're back we're at it about. again. He thinks I am a professional vacationer. You are a professional vacationer. But we have an exciting show today. We sure do. Yes. You know what? We last year was trial and error with closings, with pandemics, more importantly with schools and students trying to figure out their place with their school system, with their parents, with the pandemic, virtually, with virtual, yeah, a yeah. whole new array of things going yeah. on. Today in studio, we have. I'm gonna let you introduce the host. Oh, I love it. We are so excited. Not the host. We, we ha- he's our not, guest. It's he's a, our guest. He's the guest. It's all right. Andre will get it together. Because, Sooner you know or what, later. This is what makes a podcast <laughs> exciting. It's natural. It's real. It's what we do. But today in the studio, we have Mr. Michael Dunnigan with us, the principal of Options Charter School. Uh, he is currently over the Westfield campus, but Andre met him some time ago as the principal over at the Carmel campus. So Welcome, Mike. We're glad Welcome, to have Mike. you. Thank you. you Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you wound up being the principal at, at the Options School, which was, re- let's get it straight first. Okay. Options Carmel. Yes. New location, Options Westfield. New campus. New campus, Westfield, off of Cary and 32. Yep, right behind uh, the uh, Huntington Bank over there on Gunther Boulevard, uh, right behind it, right there at 32. Yes, yes, our brand new, beautiful, beautiful campus. I visited, and it definitely is beautiful. So that sounds like an expansion, but before we get to the expansion, yeah. you could tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got involved with the charter schools, and then maybe even help the viewers understand what is a charter school and how is it different from a traditional school? Right. Well, first, a little bit about uh, myself. Uh, I graduated with an undergraduate from Ball State University Woo-hoo. in secondary education, mm-hmm. um, and I went to work uh, shortly after that at uh, Stonegate Early College High School. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were one of the early um, charter schools, and our focus there was uh, taking your middle of the road or just failing students and supporting them um, to heading to college. And so we graduated some of the first students in the state of Indiana with associate's degrees and high school diplomas at the same time. Wow. Uh, from there, um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we talk about charter schools, but that school no longer exists. But uh, from there, I then finished my master's at Ball State, and then I went to work at uh, Charter Schools USA, was uh, brought in by the state of Indiana to run a couple of IPS's schools uh, that had been chronically failing. 
Okay. And so uh, I started at the turnaround at Imadonan Middle School, and then I became the principal of Imadonan after two years. And then uh, while at Imadonan, I led Imadonan off the failing list, which was the goal mm-hmm. of the turnaround. And then at the same time, we opened a uh, K-6 elementary at Imadonan and led that to uh, an A rating uh, for schools for two years. And then after doing that for a little while, I uh, decided uh, after, well, I was there seven years, so I was a principal five years there, and I wanted to get back to high school uh, working with the older kids, mm-hmm. and so um, I jumped at the opportunity to join Options at their Carmel campus, mm-hmm. and uh, after coming on board, finding out that I would be um, helping them with opening a new campus in Westfield and moving the uh, Carmel into its uh, own building. Uh, specifically designed for what we do at Options. And Sounds so great. Options two years. So help people understand what is a charter school because what you just told me, I'm kind of thinking this man is the redeemer right. of, of the schools. Right. He's helping them to really get beyond these failing grades, but it's not just for failing students, right? Can you explain? No. Them? So yeah. uh, the charter school movement has been around for a very long time. In fact, I was still in school when the charter school movement began. Um, here in Indiana, um, the first charter schools opened in 2002 um, after I I'd left. I was out of high school by then. Don't worry, I'm not that young. Um, and we uh, opened up some of the first ones, um, Options being one of the first charter schools in the state of Indiana. Now, a charter school gets its name from how it's created. So if we think back, I was a history teacher, so if we think back to the original colonies in the United States, there were different types of colonies. And uh, one of those colonies was called a charter colony, and it was created because they wrote a charter, which was a piece of paper Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. outlined how the colony would work. Mm -hmm. Well, charter schools are very similar. They're created by a document that spells out, here's what the school is, here's what we stand for, here's our mission, here's how we are going to function, and then an organized will sponsor them for options um, Ball State University is the sponsor gotcha. and so there are a couple universities um, the mayor's office in Indianapolis which is oddly enough one of the only mayors in the country um, is another charter sponsor and so um, options is out of Ball State University um, which is exciting since I'm a two-time mm-hmm. graduate yeah. of Ball State um, and so that's who sponsors us, and then the charter creates us. So they're called charters because of how they're created. And Just like Lawrence Township, yes, right. township, it's created by the township that makes them. And that's right. where their names come and from. And that's where the funding comes from. So the funding comes from the same place as it does for all other public schools, and that's for butts and seats. Okay. It's enrollment. Number. So there's count days in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in September, there's a magical day called Count Day, and mm-hmm. all the schools turn in. Here's how many students are enrolled at our school. Actively. And actively. Mm-hmm. And then the state says, okay, that's how much money you get. And then there's a second count in February just to see if there's any adjustments mm-hmm. or changes. Mm-hmm. And then they give you your second half of your money based off of how many kids are enrolled. There are lots of extra monies that come from local property taxes and things mm-hmm. uh, that charter schools aren't a part of. Um, but the biggest part of the funding comes from the tuition of students being enrolled in the school that comes from the state. So let me ask you this. You mind? I know I've just taken over, haven't I? Hey, you're the co-host. Uh, I'm in your run. Because I do have this question because I think that just based on my understanding, which is limited, my child goes to a township school, but I've heard of charter schools, and I understand that sometimes they don't have, they get a negative 
rap. I mean, it's it's, it's not so positive, and there's been a lot of them that cl have closed. So, kind of help us help us understand what's going on here, and and how can you give us the the real skinny here? You know what I mean? We're gonna dish a little bit of dirt. Before you do that, I better give a shout out to my brother. You're talking about Ball State. Jason Whitlock is my brother. He went to Ball State. Do you know who Jason uh, yes. is? Yes, I do. Yes, that's my brother. So anyway, we'll shout him out today. I know we Anybody normally don't. We, need a shout out? we normally don't <laughs> shout out, but today, Jason, we giving you a shout out for Ball State. Okay. Yes. So, I think actually one of the things you brought up was a bad rap was the closing of charter schools. I think that's actually one of the positives is you can close a charter school mm -hmm. when a charter school is not doing its job or doing its job well, they're closed, and so. Some people are like, oh, well, you know, they close down charter schools. And you're like, well, and when a business is not successful, mm -hmm. they close. Good point. Good point. And so charter schools can be closed. So Ball State has closed a lot of charter schools over the years for failing to meet the expectations set upon them. And so each school has expectations that they're measured upon. Just like the state measures schools by letter grades, mm -hmm. um, charter schools are measured by mm -hmm. those letter grades. And the university or sponsor, they'll have targets that they expect the charter school to hit. And if they don't hit those, then they'll close them. Now, some of them will close for money, yeah. not just because it's expensive to run schools. Yeah. And when uh, a lot of charter schools' um, mission is to be uh, a smaller environment for students uh, to um, go counter of the larger school districts, then... Um, it's expensive and money gets tight when you're, you know, fine. So some of them have been closed just because the schools realize, you know what, we just, we can't afford to keep going and, and rather go into debt then they've had to close some of them. But it you, sounds like accountability too, though. There's accountability there, which I mean, we know that, and I'm not saying it, I'm just, I'm, I'm saying it for a friend that sometimes when, if you look at the public school systems, they're not doing well, but they still stay open. Yeah. And continue to not do well and not serve the students well. So, I mean. Well, and to be fair, um, I was in the IPS area work, working in a charter school before coming to Options. And IPS, um, over the, the last several years, um, has kind of changed their tune from being, you know, we're not fans of charter schools, charter schools are bad, to partnering with them and utilizing their approaches um, and their different ideas or takes into education to try to help some of those schools that they've had trouble finding success in. Wow, and so I think good. I think that's a positive and, and something we need to recognize with our public schools um, when they're willing to be like, you know what, we don't know all mm -hmm. and let's partner with some other people who have some ideas and, and see if we can find success for our students. And so that's what IPS has been doing with their innovation schools. Okay. Um, I did open one of the first innovation schools. And so to see them continue that and seeing many of those innovation schools finding success and then IPS holding those schools accountable to make sure they are finding success, to renew their contracts, to continue to run the schools for them. Um, I think that's a great way of school districts and charter schools working together, which happens in a lot of other states mm -hmm. and, and hadn't been happening a lot here. Gotcha. So why do you see the schools closing in the in the um, outside suburban areas? You said something about um, performance. Is it the is it the teachers? Is it the community? What is it that they they're, they're closing down, and what makes the outer reaches? different than the suburban reaches? 
like say for instance a caramel going into let's say a bar whipple or a marion county system so the urban versus the rural versus urban yeah is there really a difference because if you guys are if you guys are governed by the same rules i mean shouldn't it be the same across the board there has to be some reason why those other schools didn't live up to expectations well when when you're looking at a charter school again like i told you in the charter it spells out how they're going to operate and mm -hmm. what they're going to do and so they lay out their plan before they're even approved and, and you have to be researched backed um, and that can be different for each charter school say, they may different? be focused on certain things depending on the demographic right. that they're and serving. so if you go around to every charter school you're going to see a lot of similarities to your traditional public schools just like if you go to different public schools they, they have different takes you know mm -hmm. even within IPS you know they have super school which is a different take they have open school concepts you know if you've been into some of the schools where they don't have they don't have walls and their classrooms mm. are all open air school there are different theories in education and so you'll see those differences in, in charter schools part of the purpose of them is to bring about innovation and change and mm. often there are smaller than their neighboring schools. Some of them can grow and become, become larger or set right. to be larger based on their theory of, of how they believe schools need to be set up to be successful. And, and so the whole point of that is to try to come up with innovative ideas mm -hmm. that if it works, then maybe that's something mm -hmm. that the rest of the public schools can take and learn from each other. Mm -hmm. So that, that's part of it. Part of it is set up to be a place to try new things yeah. and see if we can be successful. But I think, Andre, getting back to your sense. point about with different inputs come different out, outputs, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think with our inner city populations, which I was a principal at an mm -hmm. inner city school, um, the inputs are a bit different in the fact that the students coming to them, um, many of them remind me a lot more of my students that I see at options, is that a lot of them are coming with trauma. Right. And things that have happened in their lifetime, and that trauma affects the whole child. It's not something they compartmentalize, and the minute they walk into a school building, they can become a little robot and learn mm -hmm. just however the teacher decides they need to learn. It impacts the whole child. And so um, one of the things that we're doing at Options, you know, is we're, we're trying to be a trauma-informed school and trying to make sure we understand that every student is different mm -hmm. and that we, we attack every student's learning differently because of that. Now, that you still have to do some things whole class, right? And you want to treat every student uh, fairly, but you can't treat every student exactly equally. Gotcha. And so, so I there's no cookie cutter approach to this. Th there isn't. Yeah. And so, you, uh, you know, one of the things we do at Options is, um, you know, we individualize. So all of our students have individualized service plans or ISPs. It's similar in some ways to an, an IEP that mm -hmm. students get for having a learning disability. Mm -hmm. We we do that with all of our students to individualize what they're what we're doing with them, so that we can identify right, what is it that this student needs. You know, and Andre can tell you because um, we've talked before and we we have open conversations with with each of our families coming in. And we ask them, like, you know, what is your student struggling with? And so Options is not only a charter school, but we're also an alternative school. Mm -hmm. So we are an alternative to the traditional schools mm -hmm. that surround us. So in Westfield, it's Westfield and the Noblesville schools. We have a Noblesville campus. And then we have a, an online campus that's all over the state that services kids. Mm -hmm. We were in 129. I believe we're up to uh, almost 150 school districts. 
And then um, we also have some specialty programs um, out of Fishers and Kokomo that uh, are uh, partnerships with BACA for um, students with autism. Oh, nice, nice. And so we, we treat each student differently and we try to look at what we can do best for each one of those students and, and work with them. Now what I thought was really good, and you said, I like this phrase that you said, and it's about the trauma that the kids go through when they walk through your door. And best believe, with everything that, that's been happening, and probably before, and like we talked about with the pandemic, the, the online learning now, going back into the school, you guys offer something I thought was really unique. When you're dealing with trauma, you guys actually have in your school system some type of behavior person that you that they go to when they first come into the school. Tell me about that. So we, we've been really lucky. Um, relationships are kind of the, the biggest thing for us at, at our school. So it's belong, believe, achieve is our motto. Mm. And so the first part is belong. For students to find success, the achieve down the road, uh, they got to feel like they belong. So um, one of the first things we do is all of our students will have advisors. Now, unfortunately, due to the pandemic last year, we weren't able to keep it the same person all year because of mixing or moving groups around. Mm -hmm. But traditionally, that's a person they're with all year long, and, and that person's goal is to try to be the adult who knows that student best. But mm. even as educators and teachers and going through trauma-informed training, um, we're not experts, um, especially mental health experts okay. and so um, we partner we have a, a mental health specialist they come in um, a couple days a week and meet with some of our students who um, need more than we can even provide mm -hmm. and so that's on top of our students who may Are be the getting parents supportive of this of this uh, method that you guys do at the school with the um, trauma or basically addressing trauma with their child you you know with parents now they really might blow it out of my kid doesn't need this have you have any any resentment from any parents talking having that their child be involved in that or maybe resistance or resistance yeah. yeah i yeah i i had one of my first this past year um we uh, we have a counselor as well at our building right. um who one of the first things, one of the first people our students meet after coming to school, uh, the counselor will pull the students and introduce themselves and say, hey, this is who I am. I'm here if you ever need me. There are other adults here in the building that you can ask for a break to come talk to at any time, and I'll mention those in a second. But, um, yeah, I had a parent you know, who contacted me shortly after and said I did not give permission for my, my student to talk with when they were asking questions about the family and the home, and I was like, I am so sorry. Um, Normally, you know, we try to have our counselors introduce them to the families early on, but with the pandemic last year, really limited in how many people we could have in meetings and things. So, um, I was they were a little off, caught off guard yeah. by that. Yeah. I think most of the time, though, Andre, yes, because for you to come to options at this point, mm -hmm. our our parents have because it's a choice. That's mm -hmm. one thing about charter mm -hmm. schools is a choice mm -hmm. to right. go there. No one's That's forced right. to go to them. They realize things aren't going well where they are. Now, in that the traditional sense. In the traditional sense. Yeah. That doesn't mean they might not be passing classes, but right. the parents are going, they're not doing as well as they could be or should be, and they might not be doing, maybe it's grades are okay, but they realize that there's some mental health that's just not 
what they're not well or they maybe they the don't feel like they belong like you said now you know your daughter goes to mm-hmm. a charter school goes to options right so you made a decision to pull your daughter from a traditional school and put right. her there talk about that a little bit um, she was actually in the Carmel school system. She's still still there and uh, still goes there until the next school semester. But uh, she kept a secret. She was uncomfortable with the settings there. But what I found that was really strange is when I talked with the staff there and, and mentioned going to options, they praised that school. And I, will, I, I remember asking you, I said, well, why did they keep it such a dark? No, they said, we're not supposed to really say this, but it's a good school. And I'm thinking, what do you mean you're not supposed to say it? It's kind of like it well, was. Well, you heard what he yeah, just like said. A, he said butts in the seats get the dollars. So obviously you may not yeah. want to be just, you know, deterring your students from going right. to another school when that's a source of funding as well. But well, it's in the best interest of the child, however. When she yeah. when when Cinnamon decided to go go to the school, you know, we, we went there and, and – uh, toured it and I had clients that attended options long before cinnamon even went there I mm-hmm. just didn't know anything about the school yeah. mm-hmm. and um, I was like okay it's your choice let's get in there let's meet the staff and Mike was very warm very inviting it was uh, straight to the core and my mission was that I wanted to make sure that she had the best options moving forward that's mm-hmm. not even talking about now i'm talking about moving forward from going into high school it was too much for to go to a bigger high school carmel not knocking carmel school they're great schools but my child is my child and if she's uncomfortable with a larger college type setting then i need to make the appropriate accommodations that her that school allowed that to happen plus mike you can tell me some of the other things that your school can provide for that child moving forward from high school going into college. college. Yeah. yeah. So we're small and we're purposely small. And like the ratio would be like 15 to one is what we try okay. to keep the ratio. Okay. At. So we try to keep class sizes. So what's right normal right now in uh, the traditional school setting? When I was at my school in Indianapolis, I pushed to keep my classes 25 or less Mm -hmm. and that was often difficult so it is not uncommon to see classes above 25 um, in larger areas Mm -hmm. Um, there's a there's a teacher shortage so that's one big challenge that as an administrator you have is you got to have licensed teachers to, to teach the classes and then there's some financial constraints that we're under when you run a building you got a budget and so you can only if you're going to have a counselor, you're going to have this, you're going to have that, sometimes it means all right, I have to have one less teacher to have these other resources, and that can cause class sizes to, to go up as well. We call that Robin Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. You call it what? <laughs> Robin Peter to pay Paul. I'm going to use that today when I get home. Robin Peter to pay Paul. To okay. pay Paul. Okay. You know, you got to make trade-offs, right? <laughs> it's a trade-off. But some people think when you go to a smaller school, then that means that there are going to be way less options. Now, there are some less options like we don't have a band or a choir program unfortunately mm-hmm. when you're as small as we are it's very difficult um, at my middle school that i was a principal over for many years we were 400 and then with the whole school i was over 700 it was difficult to have enough students to put together a full band in that size when you're 100 
high school students, it, it's difficult to put together a band. So we don't have a band or a choir. Um, we do offer all the credits that you need to be able to earn your core 40 diploma, which is the, the traditional diploma that we push our students to earn here in, in Indiana. But we also have partnered with J. Everlight Career Center, mm -hmm. Ivy Tech um, out of Noblesville to provide opportunities for our students to take a more hands-on approach. So welding, auto repair, CNA, cosmetology, um, culinary arts. Um, so through those two groups, we also have some partnerships with some businesses that we're continuing to go. One of those is ABC Construction, where our students can get hands-on training and work towards earning uh, credits for um, you know manufacturing and construction trades. Um, so through those partnerships, um, which many of the bigger schools partner together to be able to offer, um, you know, more opportunities for our, our, their students. So we're partners with a lot of this, the same school districts around us. So just because students come to options doesn't mean they're going to miss out on that bigger school opportunity. Um, the key just for us is that it allows us through those partnerships to still do what is most important to us, which is that relationship aspect. Having an advisor, having the small class sizes, giving our students more attention, time. Um, a lot of our students come to us because, like I said, they weren't finding the success that they wanted at the larger school, so that could have been academically. And so if it's academically, um, you know, we have special education teachers just like the regular schools have, the yeah. regular public schools, so we do work with students with IEPs. I used to get that question a lot from, from the board when I, when I was working is, do you have any students with IEPs? Oh yes, we have lots of them, mm -hmm. you know, no different than, than any, any other, other school. school. Yeah, so what about college readiness? So, were you reading my mind? <laughs> We've worked enough together that I probably was. So, oh, well, you're looking at my crib notes. <laughs> I don't see any. <laughs> I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> those uh, classes that I had mentioned before, a lot of those are dual credit courses where students um, earn college credit, especially with our Ivy Tech partnership. But then also we have students who take dual credit courses. So they may take government, and which also counts as poli sci 130. Mm -hmm. And so through Ivy Tech, and they earn dual credits that they can take with them to go off to college. Um, several of our students this past year have enrolled and are off to college. They've been messaging me, getting copies of transcripts um, mm -hmm. for themselves. We had um, a handful of juniors who graduated early last year. Explain um, that. Yeah. I thought that was really neat because I'm from, I'm from Georgia. I went to school in Georgia. And one thing I like about schools down in the South, which I really didn't see here, and I told you about that, the ability to graduate early, get the credits, and then more importantly, to even go to summer school. And you guys have a you guys offer summer school, which is unusual for um, the Midwest. Yeah, so we, we do offer summer school. Um, in fact, I just got done running summer school. Uh, we finished about two weeks ago now. Um, as an opportunity for our, our students to catch up. So and some to get ahead. So I had mm -hmm. some incoming freshmen, some freshman students, and, and other students who were working on getting some credits um, so they could graduate early. So we had five juniors at the Carmel campus who graduated early. Um, almost all of them are going off to college. I, we have one who is planning to enter the military and then college. Mm -hmm. um, it's an option. We don't push it all the time for our students, but for some of our students, they for like them that. in their life circumstance they're in, getting moving forward and, yeah. and getting to college is the best bet for them. We try to encourage them to stay on and say, well, why don't you take college classes 
through us and save yourself a little bit of money. Yeah. Um, so some of them, we do have students who are staying on who could have graduated, but are like, no, no, no. I'll, yeah. I'll take your classes. They're free. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, my child's in several AP classes for that reason. I yeah. mean, we, I was like, help, help your mama out, you know? What College is, what's is that very money thing expensive. you just said? What was that thing? They robbing? You don't want your child to rob Peter to pay to Paul. To pay Paul, <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Here's my question. Okay, so if Ball State is the sponsor, are they sort of advocating that you steer students back to their campus? I mean, is there some sort of reciprocation there where students can go there? Is there any advantage, or how do you guys do scholarships, those sorts of things? What's that look like? So there's no there's no special relationship when it comes to credits uh, with Ball State. Okay. Um, we do have a partnership with, with Ivy Tech that allows us to um, do credits with our students, um, mostly on, on our pocket. The, the school pays for the classes. Um, but we do, we do have a couple scholarships. One of our scholarships we offer is the Abby White Scholarship, named after a, a former graduate who had passed away um, in an accident, a four-wheeling accident. And that's named after um, Abby, and that goes to uh, one a senior every year um, can earn that scholarship. Um, they there's a process. They write an essay about what you know, what how they've grown, how they've changed um, over time, and through high school and, and going through options. And then we also have an SI scholarship, so that stands for Senior Institute. Um, not only do we support students and help our students to graduate, make sure they're meeting all of the minimum requirements, right? We also requ require all of our graduates to complete a uh, project or a senior capstone project, and it's called Senior Institute. And they have to partner with a nonprofit organization of their choosing and they have to set up a project with them. So whether mm. that's direct support, so it might be like going into the Boys and Girls Club and, and putting together a project where you're directly supporting students and, and working with kids at the Boys and Girls Club. Could be through um, advocacy, so we had a student who worked with the Humane Society during COVID and he created um, a QR code flyer that he put out and you could scan it and it took you to resources on how to adopt animals. Um, it took you to a fundraiser to raise funds to help support the uh, animal shelter. And then just also um, information about how to foster um, animals. And then another one could be through fundraising or uh, we had a student, our Valley Victorian this past year, where she collected toys for um, Riley's Children's Hospital. She was a Riley child herself growing up and so she knew how important it was to get that little toy that you were there when you're going through such a scary experience. Yeah. And so she collected over 200 toys to fill their closet for um, kids who wow. were going to go through what that's she went pretty, through. Yeah, that's phenomenal. You know, one of the things is, is that it's important not just to educate our kids, but to teach them life skills. And you know, what is it like actually being out in the community, working with people, building those communication skills, you know, and some of their business skills and so forth. I know that uh, our time is kind of getting away from us, but I really, this has been a pleasure and I wanna talk about this a little bit. When we, you know, there's a big push right now around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we wanna make sure um, that, that we have a chance to talk about that because I think that is so important particularly as our children go to school and having the opportunity to feel like not only they belong but they are treated equally and I know that was something that you said which sort of bought this up for me you know I um, a couple I, I, maybe a couple months I'm, I'm not sure of the time frame 
was tuned in I, and and in my day job let me just qualify this I work for Eli Lilly and company uh, I am the uh, communications director for diversity and inclusion social impact and some other areas so it's very dear to my heart but from a school standpoint I was sort of saddened when I read uh, an article up, up in the Carmel school system about parents really uh, struggling and and basically pushing back on the fact that the Carmel school system recognized a need to have a diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. Uh, and I think one of the things that I read was that they were really wanting to help the staff to come along because whether we like it or not, there's unconscious bias that, that resides for people of different ethnicities, religious beliefs. If it wasn't, we'd all be here and life would be great, wouldn't it? I mean, mm -hmm. but you see everything uh, happening within our own world right now, right? You've, you, we just recently had uh, a lot of uh, Jewish uh, anti-Semitism violence. We had the Asian hate crimes. We already know what the whole George Floyd murder situation did for us. So not going all into that, but I would just be interested to know, because I was really saddened, because I think that's something that could help us all to learn. If we just show some compassion, empathy, and, and willingness to listen, to really understand what it feels like. Uh, what are you doing at Options? How does Options handle um, their diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, or, or are there any initiatives just to ensure that we are keenly in tune, you know, with people of different uh, ethnicities and races and so forth. Well, this is an area that is difficult. I mean, I'm originally from Flint, Michigan, so mm -hmm. uh, we all know the water. We all no. know Flint. Uh, <laughs> the water was just the uh, most recent uh, exactly. trauma there. And, oh my and so I'm originally from there, and then we moved here to the South Side of Indianapolis, not too far away from where mm -hmm. we're all sitting right now. Mm -hmm. um, and my minor is in multicultural education. So uh, you hit a very, you know, important topic. We don't know our own biases until we're finally confronted with them. Correct. Uh, and so I think that people who are struggling with understanding or who, who are speaking out, I think that just comes from not understanding or knowing. It comes from a little concern that, you know, my child has been doing very well and has been finding a lot of success. Um, why do we need to change things? When, mm -hmm. when things aren't going well, you know, Andre decided, hey, things aren't going the best. I'm going to, to make a decision and, and talk with my daughter and, and we're going to make a, a family decision about what's best for her. I feel like some of the parents feel that the decision or me making a decision or me having input was kind of taken away from them mm -hmm. and was forced upon and right. I think from sitting in a room with teachers who've got we've gone I've gone through similar training mm -hmm. um, from different groups um, when I was in Indianapolis mm -hmm. and I think when when you think that oh no I, I care about everyone it you don't see or know or recognize and it might not be that some people take it as a personal attack too when you're like hey you know we're going to go do this training like well why do i need to be trained what have mm. i done that mm. makes you think that or how when when have i ever done anything that makes you question that or how could you think that about me and i think it we go to school to learn and we become teachers through education but they continue uh, they continually to ask us to renew our license and to do that we have to do 
continually be educated. Yeah, I agree. And this is another topic where we need to continually be educated. It's not something that we can look back and go, well, you know, history told us these things and we, we, uh, we learned from them they're still ever changing yeah and we need to reflect back and look at and as we continue to dirt diversify we need to, to understand that there are more than one or two or three communities you know and you can't look at one person and go i know what your experiences are and i know you know we we do that sometimes we look at a person and we're like oh yes i know you know the history tied with this group and yeah you, you're like well so that we put it across the whole different. group, something that may have happened, and then it uh, all of a sudden impacts everybody. But what I thought was, this is what I found kind of profound here, is that uh, the individual says said, and this is where I cringe, and maybe because I am an African-American woman, but the parent said, my kid does not see color or gender, and I have to call bullshit on that. <laughs> how and How do you not see it? I mean, well, now what we said was that we believe that it starts in the home and then it gets into the school and the school has to yeah, deal with it. The school has to sort of reverse some of the right. things that the, are taught because you're you right. We're that? not we're not taught to be racist. Right. We're not taught to be, you know, bigots. We're not taught we're not taught to hate. That's Our kids not, listen and they respond to or they what don't they hear. Respond. Well, and, and if it's it, not in the home, it's somewhere it, it, either. Well, right. I think that's a right. fair statement right there. Because yeah. it's not always in the home. That's right. It's somewhere. It's also sometimes how many things are, how many adult cartoons or things that are out there that have adult humor in them right. that we can understand and we can process. And, and they can't But process. kids they can't. can't. Yeah. And they don't understand Or, or how get. much does social media play a factor in propagating these things? I mean, one of the things she said, and I'm I, this critical race theory, and I'm like, oh my God, okay, it's really, it, you know, it's not a conspiracy here that we, we want to... We want to make to reprogram somebody. No, I think it just it, it's interesting. Yeah, and how so, does schools? Because we know how we deal with it as in corporations, right? right. And in organ. But you, again, you've got people with the mentality. In most cases, I won't say all. Now you give them too much credit, but in most cases, to be able to understand and discern, right? If it's, we're given that information as a child, maybe not so much. And I get that. Right, and I think one of the things we need to, to focus on is the person in that role and the training they're trying to put forth often is for the educators not as adults. The, yeah, it's not, not for the, the kids. kids. Right, the kids we just want, want to We belong. want the adults to have the information yes. to help them when making decisions and to help them think about situations uh, a little bit differently as they approach things. And so you were asking about what do we do at Options, and I think... We've been lucky in the sense that our work in trying to work with all different types of students who haven't found success, if it was one little thing that you could fix and those students would automatically find success, well, then the other school districts would be doing them. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're seen positively by the, the district school districts we work in and work around because we're, we're, they know that we're working with a group of students that takes a lot of resources to work with those students. And if they had all the resources at their disposal, then they would tackle all of those problems. But they, they can't. They have limited resources to be able to get the job done. And, and so, lots and lots of students. And lots of students. So yeah. they count on us to help those students who come over. And, and they, re they recommend students to come to us. Now, I know Andre had mentioned earlier, kind of like we're not supposed to say that a lot of that comes from what you were saying, the butts in the seats funding. Mm -hmm. And so if you remember back November 19th, not this year, the year before we had the big rally downtown for education. Yes. 
And uh, that was a tough day for me. It was my birthday. That's why, one of the reasons <laughs> I always remember it. But that's a tough day for me as a, a leader of a charter school. Um, and that day they, they had announced that they were changing the leadership at my old school. So I was a little sad to, to see some people that I had known um, as, as IPS continued to, to change and support and help in Madonna and continue down the path that we had put it on of success. Um, I remember that day and I remember watching the, the teachers come across and talk about what they need. And charter schools were mentioned in negative light several times because they're seeing as a competition. Well, they're For taking dollars, dollars yeah, right? And, yeah. and I get that. I, I do get that understanding. Yeah. And if you wanna do black, white, and not have grays, then sure, you could say, oh, they're taking funding because that kid was there, now they're here. But the funding follows child. Yes. And so the funding's going to take care of the person who needs it, the kid. Yep. I got two, two part questions that we're gonna clear up first. The first, we're not here to bash any school, so let's oh, clear, no, no. Clear, clear that. The second part we need to realize is a child that attends option school is not necessarily a game banger, poor trash, or any of these things. It's a school of learning and education. Hmm. We just went through a serious transition with these kids going to school. Now they got to go back into school. So let's go back before the pandemic and go forward before we close out the day show. You deal with these kids just as much as we deal with our kids when we get home. What are some of the things that that have been most challenging before the pandemic and during, uh, during and, uh, yeah. and after that you had yeah. to deal with that you go, wow, these are some things I need to take notes on because you see them going to transfer into the next periods. So I think one of the biggest things that I face, especially at options and the students that we work with, and then in, in education when I was in the inner city as well, is um, not being successful in school, you begin to not want to be at school. Mm. If you're not good at something, right. you don't want to spend eight hours a day doing something you've not not good at, or you feel you're not good what at. What do you right. do? Stop right there. What do you do when that happens? How do you happens? build that confidence? How do you deal with just that particular thing? That getting older, Clearly, the pressure is on right now. It, you know, the pressure's on. Give me, the, give me the, the, the blueprint. How do you deal with that child? So when we have students who come to us who, who don't want to be at school anymore, that's the whole belong, believe, achieve. Mm -hmm. One of the most important things we do is we try to make them feel welcome. Mm -hmm. And we try to get to know them. Their advisor works hard to get to know them. I work hard to try to get to know them. A whole staff tries to work hard to get to know that student and who they are and try to get to know them as a person. We'll eventually get to the helping them with, you know, the passing academic math. Part, yeah, the right. academic part. But we got to get them to feel like that the adults around them care and that they uh. want to be here. Because when you've not been good at something for a long time, you begin to... And you've probably been told you're not very good at it, too. Well, and the report card tells you. Yeah. Nobody has to say a word. They can be the nicest people in the world, but when I keep getting an F from you every time I see you, yeah. I begin to wonder. Yeah. And then, uh, and continuing that, you become angry. I mean, like, you you don't do well at school. Now I'm going to go to school. I don't want to be at school, and now I'm forced to be here. Yeah. And so you're already upset. So if somebody says, hey, I need you to go do... Well, why are you always picking... That begins sometimes to happen for some of the or they begin to shut down. For mm -hmm. they, I don't want to go to school. I don't feel well. I'm tired. I'm What's sick. the protocol from that when that happens? First thing is when I have a kid who we, 
if a kid is coming and they're new to us, we try to go out of our way to make sure they felt welcomed. Yeah. Second, if they're absent or missing, y- you know, we call yeah. immediately. Yeah. And we keep calling until we get a hold of somebody and we talk to somebody. Not because attendance is the most important thing in the world. Yeah, we want to... But what's you, going on? Yeah. But we want that kid to know we miss them. Yeah. Even if they're legitimately sick and yeah. we know ahead of time. We'll still call just and to be check like, on them. Oh, okay. Well, you know that way the kid. Uh, that, who's calling? You? Oh, it's the school. Why are they calling you? They know I'm out. They just calling to check on you. They want to see how you're doing. They're, oh, that they're really that's checking weird, to see yeah. how I'm doing. Yeah, I do. I know. Yeah. You know we what? care. That's huge, though, <laughs> because I think you know uh, we're at the top of the hour, but certainly that's an element that I'm seeing here is that you guys are small enough that you can give that extra attention mm-hmm. that is beyond just having a math class, as you say, but it's really helping people with their mental, emotional things to deal with, to feel like they they have a place there. And I can imagine that the success that you've been able to see must be so gratifying. I mean, it is. It is. We've seen some kids um, graduating and We've had some kids who've come to us, and you're like, "Wow, you've, you're junior, and you have seven credits. You've got to have 40 to graduate." And and we we get them across the stage. We work with them. Summer school we mentioned. We have lots of extra, you know, ways that we work with some of them to help them catch up on some of their credits, um, to get them to graduation. And and for some of our kids, that's just the next step, right? They're going to go to college, or you know what? They're gonna they've taken mm-hmm. advantage of a certificate, or they're going to go into the workforce into a and a trade certificate. Or something, and yeah. some of them, it's just a party that they graduated because yep. you know what? We didn't see that coming for some. Yep. Them before they came to meet with us. <laughs> before we go off the air, give me, without mentioning the student name, one of your most surprising cases that you that came in trouble. Success stories. And it was a success before we wrap up. So uh, our Valley Victorian this past year, if you go to our website, um, optionsschools.org, uh, you can see uh, a little bit of her story. She talks, um, doesn't talk about the fact that she became our Valley Victorian last year yet because it was filmed last year. But um, she loved school or the thought of school. And then when she started going to school, she found out she wasn't great at it. And then she ended up having um, find, determining she had diabetes. And she began um, really struggling at school, having to spend a lot of time in the hospital. When she came, um, she did not do so hot her first year of school as a high schooler, did not earn very many credits. And so then she advocated with her parents, like, you know, I want to see what else is out there. And so they came across options and, and came to options. And so she came to options with mostly Fs her first year. So you can imagine her GPA was mm-hmm. very low, below mm-hmm. a, below a, a two, mm-hmm. low one. Mm-hmm. And then she finished with above a 3.0 GPA, um, almost, I think, a 3.5 by the time she got done her senior year and was our Valley Victorian. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. Somebody who didn't want to go to school anymore to Valley Victorian. See, I always say a little love goes a long way. And with that said, this has been the Andre B Show. We'd like to thank Mike for coming in. And, hey, people, please visit Options Westfield. Meet with Mike if you feel that your kid needs a little bit more than just what's been given. And I also like to thank you for really working with me and my daughter. I've seen the success. I know the program works. You definitely have kept that beast frame of mind, and that's what this show is about, taking it and moving it forward. I'd like to thank my co-host, Yolanda Smith. Remember, she's the owner of... 
Brandon for success. I got it right. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Andre the Beast show. Show, 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 show. show, show, show. <laughs>